Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And before starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. This is the second of two episodes this week. Earlier in the week, we covered recent DAO news with our featured guest, Vikram. And in this episode, we will go deeper into an interview with him. So Vikram, welcome again to the show. Adam, thank you. Uh, Love the chat we had last time. I'm super excited for today as well. Let's do it. All right. So to kick off this episode, I will ask you a different introductory question. So um, Vikram, how did you get into Web3 and DAOs in the first place? Oops, uh, that's a big one. Uh, Okay, let's break it down into two parts. How I got into Web3 and then how I got into DAOs. So Web3 surprisingly happened, I was still in college and I was going through a lot of stuff the way college students do. I was all super stoked about going to Belgium. Uh, I had sort of like managed to get a data visualization internship in my second year, which was kind of a big deal back then. I was like, okay, let's, let's go do this. And in the week before I was supposed to fly out, I ended up running into Khan Academy. Uh, this course on this thing called Bitcoin, it was popping everywhere, left, right and center. And I was somebody who was like too much into tech back then. So I was reading all of these newsletters like TechCrunch, one of which must have picked it up. That is how I ran into Bitcoin on Khan Academy and I got started. So I was like, it was a simple, I think, eight hour long course, one after the other, talking about the real implications and what has happened. But once you start understanding the technology, you really get very curious. So I was like, okay, let let me dive deeper. And From there came the genesis of this idea of, okay, this is blockchain. This is so interesting. And for me, back then, my interpretation was like, this is absolutely mind-blowing. It has never happened in the world in the past. Though there were examples and experiments being done on the lines of blockchain, even in 1990s, it was my ignorance. And I got started. I was super excited. So much so that I let go of the internship and I decided, okay, I'm just going to stay back at home, probably explore this tech and a year later, Ethereum came out, right? Like, so you start getting into it, you start reading all these white papers. And back then, I unfortunately was not somebody who could afford to invest in Bitcoin. I remember precisely the price being $197 back then. And I was like, okay, uh, I don't have money. I can't ask my parents for for investing here because I don't know whether it's going to go or whether it's like my understanding is broken. But that and the launch of Ethereum and understanding of the basic tech Nothing really, really changes. If you understand one chain, it's very easy for you to grasp onto what is different in the other one. And you start appreciating a lot of stuff, right? Like, so I started following up. I was still in college, but I was into Twitter. So you would start following up a lot of stuff. I was into Reddit. Reddit was bigger than Twitter back then, as far as crypto goes. And I think from there, the first time where I got my job, my first job right out of university, the first salary I got, I was so sold on the idea of crypto. I was like, okay, it's going to go into crypto. And it happened first time, second time, third time, fourth time. I was like barely surviving, but putting everything that I was making into crypto. And I think in that process, like I was just theoretically good at Bitcoin and Ethereum. But once you have your skin in the game, you will start really being very, very, very calculative. So I started playing around with like a whole bunch of tokens. And I think at one point in time, I made the mistake that every newcomer makes of like diversifying to the extent where I was probably holding 70 plus tokens at one point in time. And I was like, okay, it's, it's, I don't know. It sounds cool. Let's do it. Right. Like making all sorts of traditional mistakes that somebody makes when, when they're ignorant or when they're just like chasing um, money in a short span of time. And I think the cycle crashed in 2017, but 
it was that learning where I was like, okay, I, I was in it because I thought that, okay, I understand the technology and it's going to grow so big that I don't want to be there 10 years later and realize that, oh, I didn't do it or have that regret. The cycle went down. So my craze with investments went down, but there were interesting things happening, right? Like the DAO had collapsed, the first one around Ethereum. Of course, if you knew Ethereum, you were very curious about that. And I was like, okay, let's look at what's happening in the DAO world. Back then, Polygon, I think it was around 2019, it was coming in from India. That is where I had my first job. So you were like, I was running into news here. And then I was like, okay, Indian government, so many regulations against it. It's not really going to become a thing. I made quite a few mistakes. Got into crypto kitties earlier in 2017 and 2018 beginning. Uh, considered it a joke. At one point in time, I had over a hundred of them. I was just playing around. Oh, it's so cool. You're mating one with the other. And like, it's fun. And then I let go of all of them. But what essentially happened, you see 2015 to 2020, I made so many mistakes that when I really got into a professional role at Merkle Science, and that was a choice I wanted to make because I was like, okay, this is the future and I have done enough mistakes. So if I don't do it, I'm probably going to regret not moving into the sector. That I professionally came in and that is where I realized that, okay, the narrative had suddenly changed. There was this DeFi had picked up. I knew what DeFi was, but the extent to which DeFi had like engrossed the entire Web3 ecosystem, that was surprising for me. I was like, oh my God, there are so many projects being left Launch left, right, and center. I was not proud of all of them. I was not even happy. I was borderline like scared about what's really going to happen with these many projects. But DAOs were a thing. NFTs were coming up. And like there were so many use cases, right? Like Merkle Science itself was doing good work. So that gave me the confidence that, okay, this is something I definitely want to pursue full time now, right? Like, and at Merkle Science, while I was doing it, um, I am in the habit of like, so we have this group of friends back from college who always used to hang out. And my co-founder today, who's Apoorv, he's also a batchmate. So we go back eight years and we were just like sharing and exchanging a lot of information with each other. I was still at Merkle and in the process, we started like exploring back this whole idea of e-commerce, right? Like, but e-commerce in the world of crypto. And we realized that, okay, maybe we are going too early into the sector, but in the process, we ended up getting ourselves into certain communities that were very decentralized, or we're probably trying to operate as a decentralized one, right? Like, so it was surprising for us. Okay, it looks weird. Let's see what this is about. But when you go in, you see that, okay, it's, it's a thousand member community. Only 10, 20 of the people are really actively collaborating. But those 10, 20, it's very easy for you to go in. So the first few calls were very awkward. It was like, hey, uh, I don't know who I am. Sorry, this is a general team meeting. Uh, but I wanted to intro myself, I'm Vikram. And then they would go on and be very welcoming, very heartwarming intro. They'd be like, Vikram, you know what? Everyone has gone through that awkwardness and introduced themselves. So please take the space. We'll pause the meeting for you to introduce yourself. And I was like, oh my God, is this how it works? Because we need to definitely fix it. So we're like, okay, the, it looks like there are tons of opportunity areas in the DAOs. There were a whole bunch of Popular influential people, uh, including folks like Cooper Trupa, who were talking about, hey, how DAOs are popping up and that he had gone full time. So we were getting a little influence. So I decided that, okay, let's park Merkle Science. Let's jump full time into it because we had a decent runway. And we were like, if we do not give it a, like, what, what will happen in the worst case scenario? We can just give it a try. And we start diving deeper into these DAOs, right? Like, so now we go to these websites, these GitHub pages, because of our tech background, we're like, okay, we need to like check the source code. And we start running into so many weird descriptions. Somebody saying like we have social equity as public utility and all of these vague terms which would not really make sense to us. So we're like, okay, what is even being communicated here? 
and you would have to like go to the website, go through their code, go to their community chat, show up on community calls, and it would probably be a journey of six, seven days before you would make sense of what was the community even doing. And on the other side, there were people who were like making millions because there were these bounties that they were taking up. And again, like it was the uh, like that time, it was the bull cycle, so there were quite a few bounties. And I think it was there where we decided that okay, you know what, we are anyway trying to understand what these DAOs are. We are going into them one by one, and we are doing a lot of hard work. Why not just put it on a website, saying DAO lens? And we just want it to be a lens in the way you look at these DAOs. So you're looking at a magnified view of what is this DAO about? And we don't want to do what average directories are doing. For example, there's no point of me going and repeating whatever is there on the website of the DAO. So let's dump it down in a way a five-year-old can understand. Three questions. What is the DAO? How do you join? And how do you start earning at one? Right? Like, and we were trying to like do all the hard work and put it out on a website. When we did that, we got introduced to the plethora of problems that DAOs had. So the outcome was that we ended up building a tool for discovery where we had like 300 or so DAOs listed with their tokens and social links and some reviews. We had added mechanisms that if Adam is a part of a DAO, can he come and tell me how his experience was so that I, as a newcomer, can decide that, oh, my interest is music. This is a music DAO. Adam seems like somebody who's contributed here and he says it's a good vibe. So let me try it out. That's how we were looking at it. And I think from there, there was no looking back. We got into so many problems around us that we were like, okay, let's see which one to solve first. Uh, I remember making those detailed charts about the entire DAO landscape, that there's this problem of discovery. Once you have discovered something, there's this problem of onboarding, which is to say, how do I get started? Once you have onboarded yourself, there's this problem of like contributing meaningfully, which means that, hey, I, I, I really want to be contributing in a way where my reputation grows, where I can learn more things, I can do things I'm not comfortable with. And on the other end, it's like everything is like, hey, how do you do operations? So it was four buckets for us, discovery, onboarding, contribution, and operations. And we were like, okay, you need to solve for all the four because somebody is going to do. There is a traditional organization today. It needs an email to operate. It needs a salary disbursement tool. It has an HR to induce people or like to welcome them on day one, right? Like there is a medical insurance. There is so many things. In a decentralized community where I'm working for five or six of them, where am I going to get those things from? Like what's going to be my communication channel? What's going to be my way of looking at how much am I earning? What's going to be my way of discovering mentors? What's going to be my way of discovering friends? And so on. So that was how DAO-specific efforts started. And that's pretty much an answer wow. to how I got into Web3 and how I got into DAOs. Wow, that's that's awesome. An awesome journey you've been on. Um, and pretty early to the DAO space, I got to say, compared to even most of the people I talk to who are working in the space, looks like you were around pretty early, um, which is, is is really helpful to have people like that we can ask questions to. Um, tell us a little bit more about a DAO Lens. So what products does DAO Lens offer and what, what do they do for people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we can just talk about it in specific tools and examples that we have done so that it's easier for people to understand. But Dowlins is more of like a suite of tools. So you can think of us if you are a DAO and you have one problem, which is, let's say, around increasing governance or participation in governance efforts that you are doing in your org, or if you have issues around let's say, payouts to people who are completing bounties. You come to us and we work with you to see whether one of the products that we have works for you or not. And in the 
scenario where there is not really a massive or like a good fit, we just deploy a team to work with your own internal team to build a suite of tools or a tool that is probably hyper-personalized for your use case. So the kind of tools which we have done so far is like one of them has become a massive tool, which was also launched last to last week. It's called the DAO Manager. And it's so interesting, Adam, like because DAO Manager, essentially what it does is like see how the journey in a DAO goes. It starts from discussions, right? Like So that discussion is happening in Discord. Now, once you have some alignment on Discord, you go in and say, hey, you know what? There is a forum. Let's, let's float it out there. More people will rally behind it. Now you have a discussion on a discourse forum. From the forum, two things can happen. You realize that, okay, a lot of people are really interested. So you want to float it as a proposal. And that proposal is floated on a tool like Snapshot. Or you decide that, okay, this discussion went nowhere. Let's just sunset it, right? Like Now, in this scenario where it became a proposal, there is a voting that happens. And that voting then results into two things again. You either get a grant or you get tasks and bounties if it's accepted. If it's rejected, that's the end of the word. Now, if it's accepted, there is a task and a bounty. Somebody needs to assign that task. Somebody needs to discover that task. Somebody needs to complete and submit. Somebody needs to review. And then let's say Adam completes a task. Adam's supposed to be paid out for the work that you did, right? Like, so that payout happens on another tool. So this task assignment, review, comparison and everything monitoring happens on a tool like Dwork or Trello. And then payouts happen on standard tools like Gnosis, Coordinate, Llama Pay and whatnot. And then comes the idea of, okay, I contributed to something. I'm going to get my reputation to increase, right? Like, so that's your reputation piece. Now, all of this in the process, we talked about maybe seven tools and nobody honestly is working with just one community. Like you're working with two communities. If somebody's using Gnosis Safe and somebody's using Coordinate, you're probably dealing with 40 instances just to like operate in a community where you are passionate about stuff. So we were like, okay, can we really link everything? And that is what DAO Manager does. Everything that you talked about. So that doesn't mean that you don't have to, like you you can't use Snapshot. If you're like that hellbound on using Snapshot, we integrate in a way that if you write something there, it shows up here. And if you write something here, it shows up there. But essentially it's like a discourse killer for you. There is this forum that forum discussion can automatically be converted into a task. That task can automatically be converted into a like a grant or it can automatically be converted into a payout. That payout can automatically result into your reputation and everything starts feeding in. And the beauty is that you can gate all of it. Now, gating is again, like we did a research, I think for over two, two and a half months with over a hundred DAO leads, specifically that we were talking to one on one. And the questions were on this front, hey, what are you really doing? What, what are you really trying to do? And what we realized was that essentially if I have, let's say, interest in filmmaking and you have interest in filmmaking or I have a very high credit score and you have a very high credit score, chances are high that the two of us want to hang out together, right? Like, so how do you really facilitate it in a way where the DAO admins don't have to manually go in and do all of these modifications? So comes the idea of gating where I can gate based on your reputation. I can put you, I can define rules saying people with reputation scores above 100 only give them the access to this. Or let's say we are talking about a gaming community, right? Like, so the DAO manager piece can be deployed for a creator community, for an NFT community, for a DAO, for a protocol. For example, we are exploring, and it's too early to say, but we're exploring even with Polygon in terms of how their village management can go end to end, right? Like they are coming up with these, they're sunsetting the idea of grants, they're coming up with these idea of vouchers. What can you really do to make it all work? But essentially the goal is we sit with you to identify these nitty gritties around, hey, you want getting around this, 
you want people with red hat on their nfts to hang out together we can automate it for you mm-hmm. right like you want somebody who has the maximum kills to get exclusive discounts we can do that for you so that's one mas- mas- massive tool which is the dao manager though we have a lot of other tools so one of the tools is like about newcomers coming into your community and how do you really onboard them and activate them so how do you make the journey for a designer different than the journey from a content writer in a way that they can see how their reputation will grow so that they are not just lurking around in the community but really contributing from day one one of the tools is about grant management so that's a grant management protocol so we are trying to work with gitcoin and dowstar and everyone out there as well which is on the lines of hey uh if you are a reviewer you are probably reviewing hundreds of grants if you are a submitter you have absolutely no guidance in terms of what is accepted as a good grant application and then even if let's say you end up drafting one how are you really going to have the chances like so these different developers these different communities they are launching their own grant programs and they have some very good ideas some of them want to like do milestone based funding which is to say only if milestone one is hit amount of grant will be given but for them to build it from scratch it becomes very tough so we are like thinking of can we make it into a protocol where there are these building blocks that a developer can use and build their own grant platform on top of so that's another tool there is one more tool that we did with our way which was for newcomers so you get the idea right like a whole host of tools dealing with discovery operations internal community engagement we have a bot that helps you interact internally and like to get people who are not really active also get active and so on so that's dowlens uh we are working with i believe at this point in time over 120 dows in different capacities like some of them are just on our onboarding some of them are trying the contribution engine uh, or the dow manager that i just talked about and wow. yeah that's a not so short summary yeah it's really exciting i now that i've learned more i'm i'm excited to to hopefully check it out myself uh, for maybe one of the dows i'm thinking about starting um Question for you to dig a little bit deeper into the Dow Manager. Does it handle the on-chain creation of smart contracts and on-chain voting and treasury management or do you, is that more the social layer but then you do that separately on whatever other tool you want to? No, yeah. So on-chain voting absolutely yes. Treasury management as a result of those votes and disbursal of funds. So if like one task is let's say submitted, you don't even want people to manually come in review that task right like let's say the task was about publishing a link on twitter i can automatically verify it and as soon as that task is verified as submitted the funds automatically get disbursed so that part is also automated and it is done via a smart contract but creation of smart contract is something which we are still cooking so that's been planned for like somewhere around the end of february but we have gotten this request from a lot of people saying hey uh, could you really incorporate that and like what's interesting adam is like see we work with a lot of communities so one community came and said you know what we want to do courses and as people complete these courses we want them to go through a quiz and as they complete these quizzes we want their nft to automatically sit on their profile and sort of like be in the form of a soul bound token that can improve with time right like so now when you are looking at these dynamic nfts which are also like sort of going to represent whatever you are doing the same functionality can pretty much be done by a creator because a creator is not really trying to create a course but they are trying to sell a merchandise so we have designed our manager in a way where it's like these are building blocks so you can decide that oh you know what i don't need the course tab i only need the shop tab 
And in the shop tab, at the end of the day, it's a merchandise. You can gate it, like who gets access to those merchandise because some of them may be restricted only for elite people or premium members or classic members. And depending on these roles, uh, you can just like do whatever you want. So there is a discussion forum. There is automatic creation of tasks. The vote here is on-chain. Of course, like you can do all of those things, which is emoji-based voting in the discussion forum as well. If you just want to like do an off-chain sense of it but everything can be tied down to snapshot or for that matter if you are on solana we can talk to your own uh, platform which is realms and like get things rolling on that front and so on cool awesome very exciting all right um i'd love to talk to you a little bit about your experience working with so many DAOs. um and the first question about that is if you think about all the challenges that are faced by those DAOs, either in their early stages or their later stages what would you say are the top challenges, one or two challenges that DAOs face? And how do you recommend people address those challenges? I, I have a very good answer to that. And this is probably going to save everyone who's listening to this podcast at least 100 interviews because we hired somebody exclusively at DAOlands to do this research for us in terms of what is the most pressing need for a DAO, right? Like, And we were trying to like just group these answers and like get some signals in it. I think the two challenges, specifically in light of where we are today in the cycle, where everyone is just trying to survive, most of the communities, they are not even thinking of growing their community. Their goal is like, okay, let's survive through the next two years. Let's cut, or cut down all the costs. The two most, most like significant areas for DAOs are treasury management. And what I mean by treasury management is like, it could mean two things. It could mean how is the treasury being used and how do you optimize it? So for example, we talked about grants a while back. Now, let's say you give 10 ETH to somebody to do something, but that person only used seven ETH. The three ETH should ideally come back to your treasury, right? Like, so how do you really inculcate those processes in place so that while you are generous on one end, you are not being misused. On the other end, it's just about also diversification. So, hey, I have like a $1 million worth of tokens in stables. How do I really distribute it? Do I keep it all in stables? Do I distribute a bit of it into ETH? Do I like go in and purchase an NFT? What is really like, do I go in and put it into a yield generator so that I can like get some yield and so on? So that those are the two ways in which we are seeing most of the DAOs, DAOs tackle treasury management, but that's a very hot area. If you're doing the project in any of these sectors, you're almost more likely to like get attention or more likely to like 10 times get more attention than somebody who's not working in this area. The second is keeping the community engaged. Now, this engagement does, doesn't have to be misunderstood with, you know, like random Discord polls and GIFs being shared around and so on. But it's more to do with, hey, we are discussing something on Discourse. How can I get the relevant people with the relevant skill to come and share their views? How can we get a guild that we have to share or like talk to another guild? How can we get people who are not really having opinions, but... Uh, like, so there are these experiments, for example, a part of increasing engagement also is like saying that, hey, instead of saying yes to a proposal, you have to say no to a proposal, right? Like what that means is by default, I'm going to count your no reaction as a yes. And if you really feel strongly against it, go say no. And if 40% of the people say no, or 30% of the people say no, the proposal is going to get quashed. Because again, there are these problems of you waiting for 30 people to vote yes. But then those 30 people probably never saw in the time the time span the vote was live, right? Like and the proposal is not moving anywhere. So that is the second area in terms of engagement. So I classify engagement as a lot of things in terms of increasing uh, discussions on forums, increasing discussions around voting, increasing participation in gigs and bounties and so on. 
But those are the two primary areas that emerge as the most significant focus points for communities that are decentralized. Awesome. And what about, aside from those two things, what would be your number one piece of advice for someone who's starting a DAO today? Yeah, I like if you're starting a DAO today, I think we we end up making mistakes in the form of like decentralizing a DAO in its true sense on day one. And if you're an influencer who's like having 100,000 people following you and like you have some of the best connects with you to like manage it, it's it's a different story. But for most of the folks, that's not how it works, right? Like they, they, there are a group of friends who just want to start. They've heard of this term DAO. They resonate with it. But when you really start practicing decentralization, when you really start letting that developer from a place somewhere in South Africa come and dictate what your roadmap should be, you will feel a little uncomfortable, right? Like as much as we want to agree to the fact that, oh, decentralization is great. We still, we have grown up in the age of centralized community so when decisions are like not being done the way we want them to be done we will end up feeling a bit uncomfortable and i think the good start there is just starting with a smaller group of projects and uh another big advice is like i have done this and learned this the hard way is that if you are a small DAO, just go and then look at the top five or ten DAOs and really think like you don't have to copy but really think why they are doing the things they are doing because you as a new DAO, I've seen so many people, so many small communities have really interesting outlooks on what they want their token model to be, how they think their community will grow. But when they really go about applying all of it, it goes nowhere, right? Like it's, it all gets lost. And the reason is because they don't have the bandwidth to experiment. Like if I'm a new DAO, I probably don't have $100,000 sitting in my bank account or my treasury to like afford 10 wrong experiments, right? Like, which is what these big communities with billions and hundreds of millions in their treasury are able to do. So what the mistake I made here, which I want to like be very honest about was when we started out, we were like, okay, let's build with smaller communities as well, because who said that smaller communities will tomorrow become the bigger ones. And in a traditional Web2 world, everyone says you should not build for just one client because, hey, you will end up building a solution that nobody else needs. And we built something for smaller communities and we realized that these smaller communities have so less of an understanding themselves that if you base your learning or your concepts just on that, you're more likely to end up with a product that will have to probably be redone or will have to be modified. Mm. Instead, if you go work with a community like Nouns, that is really, like they may be doing 10 wrong things as well, but even if they're doing three right things and they vouch for it, you are more likely to like hit the right uh, spot in terms of spreading your business or like getting more users and getting tangible feedback goes. So that would be my advice. That makes a lot of sense. What what are maybe a few other DAOs you'd recommend people check out aside from Nouns DAO? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think like I spend a lot of time in Nouns particularly because it's become very interesting and uh, it's also the way the whole ecosystem is being shaping up. I'm also a big fan of how Polygon as a DAO came up and then they said, hey, we're not going to become a DAO anymore. Then they came up with this name called Polygon Village, which was like, okay, we are going to become a village and then think of it the way there are these tech park villages in the world, right? Like if you've uh, ever been to the West Coast, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, they, they started conceptualizing it that way. So that was also pretty interesting for me. But otherwise, like there is some phenomenal work being done by folks at uh, this Gitcoin, where they are working on Gitcoin Passport, where you know for sure that this person who's really coming and commenting and voting 
or doing anything it's a real human being at the end of the day and it's one human being it's not like vikram can create five wallets and do some sort of a sibil attack and so on where like i am influencing the decisions in the wrong way because those are also very fundamental problems to solve then uh dars like ave and uniswap they are of course like they have been there for a while but internally there are so many experiments being done in these communities that it's a brilliant place for anyone who is just this appetite of hey let me learn because i see these communities being so big that even if you are trying to start out as a small project you can go to them and say hey you know what i just want to try it out with one pod that you have right like similarly with bitdao bitdao has become so big that there are so many sub daos in bitdao that you can go work with one and if it works out great expand to others if it didn't work out bitdao is also not going to mind but you don't have to like go in and say that you know what change everything about bitdao on day one like you have to change your narrative in terms of how you are approaching them also super bullish on a couple of ecosystems like optimism is coming up in a phenomenal way the kind of discussions they are happening in, inside them uh, arbitrum and hedera again like phenomenal work being done there internally but too early to comment on those fronts so yeah awesome very exciting um so you know you see a lot of daos and you hear a lot about what's going on in the space um what would you say is the top trend or one of the top trends that you're observing and i'll suggest you mentioned in the last episode impact daos were something you've been seeing a lot of but it, it, whether that's the trend or you want to pick another one what what's a big trend you're seeing in daos no yeah i i i i think impact daos are popping up left right and center uh, but i want to answer it in two fronts like like impact dao is a category of dao that's popping up left right and center and there are some very interesting ways in which impact daos being tackled today for example there is retroactive funding right for example if you have done some sort of a funding and you have been able to demonstrate impact uh sorry if you have been able to like manage a product manage a project and you have been able to demonstrate an impact that is when the funding gets released to you right like so there are interesting ideas on that front and some very cool very needed projects that are being brought forward otherwise most of the dao use cases that had found real pmf were either service daos or investment daos and it is high time that we change that right like so thankfully now for the first time it's changing in the form of like impact daos coming up is like again like opening up possibilities for newer things to happen but in general the trend that i think i'm seeing everywhere is this discussion about voter apathy and getting people to like participate more and what can be done within a dao like even the smaller daos are struggling on that front and so far the answer has one word in common which is delegate it's about hey we want to delegate it in this way we want to delegate it in that way the delegate will have this power the delegate will have the power to quash things right like there are different formats being proposed but that's again like delegate based voting and delegation the process of delegation and how you can really like take back the power or revoke so that these delegates can't misuse stuff also is like a massive trend in almost all of these daos in fact everything that i just talked about for gitcoin and the passport and so on all of it ends up getting related to uh, the idea of like you know participation and delegation and in general one of the questions which everybody has which no one is really actively actively talking about it but that's not because it's not an important topic it's because most of us have a lack of understanding is the idea of legal stature and taxation right like i put them in one bracket because everyone you go in and talk to and ask them hey 
so what are you thinking what sort of an org is this going to be they're like we don't know i'm thinking we maybe do an llc but is it okay doing an llc right like there are these questions around oh there are 100 people what's going to happen after 100 people right like because there are mixed like and people are not up to date with what's happening like for example whatever happened in marshall islands right like i went through that uh, a couple of weeks back that news that came to us the end of the last year just before christmas and i was like okay hey see there are interesting things happening here but not everyone is aware of that and the second thing is you are paying people a bomb like paying people a lot of money but then taxation is not really being taken care of and if you somebody is working full time for dows there at some point in time going to come back and say hey you know what you are probably liable for my health insurance because you are living in the united states with maybe something right like so those are again aspects which no one has clarity on every dow has buried this question somewhere deep down in one of the communities or one of the discussions or the pods so yeah love it so so let, let's dig a little bit more into delegation uh, before we close the episode um to me when we talk about delegation it sounds a lot like representative government but maybe like liquid representative government where you know if we had something like uh, the parliaments we have in most countries in the world democratic countries in the world but you could also revoke your vote at any time and so you could always have you know changing representatives in the government um is that kind of like what we're talking about when we talk about delegation yeah absolutely so it's this idea that hey not everyone may be an expert on the topic that's being talked about and for you to be able to cite your opinion just because you are a part of the dao just because you are a token holder on something you are not an expert is not beneficial to anyone so how about i don't know anything about legality i know adam is an expert so i go in and say hey adam i'm going to give my voting power to you and that voting power doesn't mean necessarily that you have two votes it can mean that as well it can sometimes just means that you have the idea of like you you can probably do most of the hard work you can discuss out of the 10 things that the dao should do which one should they do and then i have to get involved again but the idea is taking back these works which get slow because a large group of people who do not have expertise are trying to get involved into something right like it's just that and of course you can take back that power so it's it's that but then on top add nuances in terms of when can you stop somebody right like when can yeah. how can you reward people and so on so like you probably don't give the people you're delegating votes to the power to pay themselves all the money from the treasury right so there's you, certain limitations on on what they can do with your vote the, there are checks and balances in place like if you do that uh, the people who are delegating your vote to them they will take it back and then there can be punishments for example you were a delegate who misbehaved so you could probably lose your own power as well and that that is what makes it interesting like these are experiments that will probably we could answer about which one works or not if we had 100 years of data but we don't so we're trying yeah. to figure out as much as we can in a short period of a time yeah one of the really interesting things about dows is not just that they're new but it takes a while to do experiments because we're talking about actual people collaborating and making decisions together about important subjects and you can't speed that up I mean, you could speed it up a little bit but you can't you can't do it like a computer program and make it run it 100 times a second you have to let it play out so we'll have to learn these things over the years to come absolutely yeah all right well this has been awesome having you on the show vikram thank you so much thanks adam uh, it has been a pleasure and uh, i don't know if Many of our speakers or listeners here are going to be 
there at East Denver, but we as Dowlins have partnered with a few of our friends uh, to bring this Dow Summit Front, which is Dow Denver. It's going to be a Dow exclusive event where some 150 or so Dow exclusive folks are just going to sit in a room over, uh, like it's it's happening on 20th of February, right across the hall where East Denver is happening. So you can hit me up at any point in time, should you have any query. And I think just because the podcast is titled just Dow it, it would be very relevant for the audience. Dow Denver, it's just like a chapter like Dow NYC, like Dow Tokyo, except that it's happening in Denver and we have some interesting things planned. So probably another good thing for us to talk about because there's already another Dow Denver <laughs> that happened last year. Do you know about that? Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. I'm aware okay. of that. And that's also happening again this year. So there may be maybe some discussion about uh, the names of the organizations. But I, I actually was going to mention that Dow Denver because I, I also agree <laughs> people should come to ETH Denver and they should go to the other Dow Denver too. So check out both Dow Denvers or else uh, stay tuned for... <laughs> If we if we come up with a way to uh, to change the names, um, but uh, where can people find you and your projects on the web and on social? I am available at Vixrum, V I K S underscore R U M everywhere on Telegram on Twitter, and uh, you can of course check my website out at meetvikram.com. That's M W E T V I K R A M dot com. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at 0xthriller or MyDAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S on Twitter or MyDAO.org. Again, thank you so much, Vikram. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks, Adam. Likewise. Yep. Awesome. And are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it.